welcome to the 18th Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton, and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of the show today is Women in Tech. I'm going to be chatting with Naomi Timpley, Growth and Innovation Consultant and Project Director of Freelance Her 100. Naomi knows the tech space inside out, and she's also one half of the team who set up Tech North Advocates. She also sits on multiple boards, including the Salford Business School Industry Advisory Board, and has featured in Computer Weekly's list of the top 50 most influential women in UK IT in 2018, 2019, and 2020. We will also be hearing from Inesh Santos, Womanthology's Associate Editor, who's going to be talking us through the written stories in the new issue. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in your details on the front page of our website, that's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our new LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast, Naomi Timpley. How are you doing, Naomi Timpley? I'm great. Lovely to hear you. Well, and you as well. So we're going to be talking all about women in tech. And I thought there's nobody I would rather have this conversation with. So here we are. Naomi, so we've spoken to you quite a few times in the written issue before. But for those who missed those, could you give us a bit of a recap on your career to date and what you're all about? So I am a freelance growth and innovation consultant. I tend to work with tech, digital and creative businesses. That's either to start, scale, grow, whatever you want to call it, but also to innovate as well. I sit on a number of boards, all related to either tech, digital or creative. So for example, I'm co-founder of Tech North Advocates, which is a private sector-led advocacy that champions tech. It's part of something that's global, which was born out of London and it's, it's a community that I'm really proud to be part of. Essentially, what myself and Volker do is we join the dots from the north to other parts of the world and people that are passionate about tech in their area. I also sit on the industry advisory board at the University of Solver Business School. So that's making sure that the curriculum is industry focused. I'm interim chair of Future Everything, which is an arts organisation that uses tech and digital so you get, you get the drift. It's, I get to do lots of really cool things and work with loads of amazing people. Um, but I also do quite a lot with uh, female entrepreneurs as well. So I'm project director of an amazing program called Freelance Her 100, which is specifically for female founders and freelancers in the tech, digital, creative sectors. So Naomi, can you tell us a little bit about what, what you're working on and what are your favourite parts and how it all got started? How it all got started, purely by accident. Originally, I worked for seven years in the travel industry, and then I worked in recruitment for about four years. In the late 90s, I worked in tech recruitment, mostly in the Northwest. So I I suppose my first foray working with tech was then. I took about four years out to have my daughters, and then had an events company, which I ran for about four years. 
The events company led me to start working with youth entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs. I then started working with more digital businesses and tech businesses. I'm not a particularly techie person, but I understand about products and, and, and markets and how to find customers and how to tell stories. It's all just come from there. I did have a youth enterprise employability company after the events business. I did that a lot on a voluntary basis to hone my craft and got involved in the tech community in Greater Manchester, but also the wider uh, tech community through Tech London Advocates, but also Global Tech Advocates. Something else that I'm really passionate about is entrepreneurship education. So I've got a network worldwide to do with that as well. Wow, there's no stopping you. There's no holding you back. Because I think that's how our paths first crossed, wasn't it? We were at an event in Manchester. Yeah, we were. But another thing as well that I really love doing is helping people come up with ideas for, for products and services to solve problems. That's something that I get really excited about. There's something that I do with a lot of my clients, but but also... I've done it with young people. So one of the, the companies that I've done some work with is a company called Digital Advantage. You also have a charity called Digital Inc. And that's Digital Inc. is all about making sure that young people who have autism or ADHD have access to getting careers into the tech digital sector because having a neurodiverse mindset actually gives you lots of really great skills that a lot of companies don't recognize so that's been a really fantastic project to work on, but also finding the sort of talent for the future and working with schools around digital skills is something else that I'm really passionate about. And can we ask you, so Freelance Her 100, where are you up to with that? You're kind of in the midst of things with that. Oh, wow. Freelance Her 100. So literally, if you'd have spoken to me about half an hour ago, I was in tears. Because, only happy, lovely tears because the programme was launched at the end of November opened for applications started at the beginning of February and we are now in week 10 we've got another two weeks and we have an incredible group of over 100 women who have just been an absolute joy to work with it's a really amazing program so we've had you know peer-to-peer mentoring we've had workshops we've had brunch and learns when I designed the program what was really important was to make sure that community was the heart of it. And, and it's been an, an absolute honour to work and do this project with Infor Group, who operate Host, previously called the, the Landing in Media City. Um, and Host is the home of skills and technology. So it fits in really very nicely with that. Um, and we're now looking at, at what's next because we want to do it again. It's just been such a, a huge success and been really life-changing for many of the women on the programme even in such a short space of time I can't believe that we're in week 10. It's so lovely when you get to this stage and you've got those impacts and yeah, yeah I'm a crier too when these things happen. Oh yeah yeah. Happens. Oh, God. <laughs> so beautiful. Yes. So, <laughs> so we love it so we'll keep following all the way through for the rest of the program we'll see what happens so that's Thank really you. exciting and in terms of working with startups in terms of the gender funding gap now the figures around that are just terrifying aren't yeah. they really yes they are and interestingly someone I know from Tech Nation actually put a comment on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about one female founder who has a male co-founder had three VCs cancel on her because her male co-founder couldn't make the funding meeting and this was pitching absolutely crazy I, th I think there is definitely a really big 
gap still. It's great to see Silicon Valley Bank have, have just launched a, a program to address this. I, I don't understand why it happens, but I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that a lot of people controlling the money are men. We need more women who are investing. We need more female VCs. We need for more female angel investors. I think if we get more women on that side of the thing, we'll perhaps see more uh, funding. So VC venture capitalist, business angel. So the, the broadly speaking, the difference between those without putting you on the spot. Yeah. So angel investing is, uh, let's just say, uh, Naomi has uh, £150,000 that she's looking at investing with a number of businesses. And it might be that I'll go in with a couple of other angel investors and collectively will perhaps invest in a business and give them 250000 or 500000 I can also claim that back in SEIS. So the scary part is taken away because I can almost get the money back, if you know what I mean. That's a tax incentive yeah, for people to invest. Yes, it is. With a VC, what you'll have is the VC will have a fund and that fund will perhaps have enough money to invest in, say, 10 or 20 businesses at a much higher level. So it will be we're talking in the millions Obviously, with any investing, whether it's angel or VC, there's obviously equity that is taken from from the business. One thing that that I I see is a a, a lot, especially with tech businesses, that is they've got this great idea. And the thing that they think about is let's get the money to build it. You're much better off trying to bootstrap it first. I'm working with a couple of businesses at the moment who have done that and have customers already, which is an absolute joy, because actually you're then you've got some market validation for the funders. You've got some product out yeah. there already. So you're exactly. not for a big wadge of cash before you ex- can start. Ex- exactly. And I think that's a really big thing that is a lot to do, Fiona, with role models, what we see on TV shows and things like that. But also in the press, when it comes to funding, there's lots of, okay, yeah, this person's raised £20 million and they've got a valuation of this and there's a valuation of that. And actually, do you know what? You're much better off not taking money if you can, because you've got to give your part of your business away. If obviously you want to really scale, that's something that you need to have a look at. But going back to the female thing, I think a lot of it's to do with female role models, lack of female VCs. It's brilliant to see women like Jean Anguilides, who is being a real champion for this. But also as well, I do think there's, there's lots of female angel investors. I think it's an education thing on both parts. What I don't like to hear is reading comments when people are being cancelled because a male co-founder can't be part of the conversation. Yeah, it's a problem. How are we going to solve it? I don't know. We can help solve women going into tech industry and things like that. I think that's very solvable. With regards to the funding thing, I'm, I'm still trying to work that out in my head. Yes, which leads me neatly on to the next question. So... <laughs> advice for women who've got a startup idea so you've got this amazing idea but you're not sure where to go we've touched a little bit on already on the idea of potentially bootstrapping getting something out there getting some sort of minimum sort of product out there that people can try but around that what are the sorts of things that people can do obviously that's one route but what's your advice to people obviously you've got varying different degrees let's just go right back down to okay I've got an idea for something 
very first thing that you need to have a look at is build a, a business model canvas around it. There's loads of free resources online. Work out who the partners are going to be, what the value proposition is, who your customers are. A really basic thing like that is a start. Also doing research on and, and actually speaking to potential customers, but also doing some market validation, seeing what else is out there that's like it. Universities have really good programs for idea stage businesses. There are lots of government funded programs varying different degrees. We've also got organisations, if you were talking tech-specific, Tech Nation do things. A lot of the companies like uh, PwC, KPMG have also startup programmes. There's loads and loads of support out there. But I think very early stage, you need to have an idea of what it is and what problem you're solving. One book that I would thoroughly recommend for anybody is this. Value Proposition Design by Alex Osterwalder. It's basically how to create products and services customers want. It's from the Strategizer series of books. Strategizer created the Business Model Canvas. Absolutely fantastic book. I think before you even go anywhere, you need to have some basics and being able to articulate in one sentence what your value proposition is really. So for people who aren't necessarily familiar as well with a business model canvas, essentially it's a big table with lots of different things that you fill in. Yeah, So, but let's pretend we're in a theatre, okay? So centre stage is your value proposition. So that's exactly what it is that you're doing and what problem that you're solving, okay? You've then, if we go backstage, that's things like the cost structure. So how much is it going to cost you to do this thing that you want to do? What are the key activities? So what are you going to have to do to make this business work? Who are the partners that you're going to work with? If we go on the other side, so if we're going to the audience, you've got stuff like how are you going to communicate with your customers? What type of customers? What are the customer segments? And, and then also, what does the revenue stream look like? It's a really basic one-page thing because what I see a lot of is people coming up with like 20-page business plans when actually you can just put it on one page. There's also a lack of research. I've been part of lots and lots of startup programs on the delivery side, and I'm always astonished about the lack of research that people do. They don't do enough to know about who their customers are, whether there's a market for it, or or what else is in in the market around their idea. Yes. Research, research, research. So initially, it could be as basic as obviously you want people who are in your target group. So there's somebody on our program at the moment. What she did is she spoke to 10 people that she would like as customers because she'd worked out who her customers were. And she said, do you know what? I'll buy you a coffee. I've got some questions to ask you. And at the end of it, she explained what her value proposition was and said to them, would you buy my services? And actually, out of the 10 people she asked, two of those became her customers, her very first customers. So... I think it depends, again, depends on the type of businesses. Another thing as well that I'd think about is what are the quickest routes to market? Who can help you sell what you do? So could you partner up with somebody? Who can you partner with? Who could you potentially collaborate with? There's loads of stuff out there. There's loads of great books and there's loads of great support, but there's ways around finding it. And obviously, you know, 
you'll know this, Fiona. You're based over in Sheffield. The, the offering over there, support-wise, will be very different to what we've got in, in Manchester. And it'll be very different to what's available in, say, Leeds or in, in London. I think industry-specific events. So let's just say you've got a product which is in the building industry. So let's just say I've got a new drill. And isn't it weird that I am actually holding a drill? It's only because there's one on the table in front of me. But let's just say I've got a new invention for a drill. I'm going to want to talk to builders. I'm going to want to talk to uh, people within that, that industry. I know that you've done stuff with uh, women in transport, women in engineering. If you had uh, a product around that, you want to go to industry and you want to ask industry. And this is where universities come into play. So, for example, the University of Seoul for Business School work with more SMEs than any other university in the country. Fact. And, and what they do is they have a, an open door policy. It, it's also saying, OK, who, who are the experts that I, I need that know about this, this industry or know about the problems that this industry has. It's about doing your homework. I'm making it sound like it's really easy. It is really easy. But you've got to do your homework. It's about having a common sense approach. And back in the day when we were like hanging out in Manchester and going we to... We will again. We will again. We will. Oh, please. I hope so. I can't so. wait. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> they would have like a sort of for an end of the day kind of type seminar and there'd yeah. be some something to drink and something to eat, what have you. Obviously, for now, that's yeah. on hold. Obviously, then there are currently online type things. So in some ways, that holds you back less because you're not having to get yourself physically somewhere I think it's a different skill set isn't it to network with people in an online capacity it's very different and difficult I think to do that but what I will say is now just with what we've what's happened over the last year we now have global customers I think another thing is looking at how you can make connections going out to your existing networks we had a speaker yesterday called Rose Marley, who's the CEO of the Cooperatives UK, fascinating woman. Her career, previous to her having this job now, she was a freelancer. She worked in lots of different industries. And one of the things that she said when we had a session last night with her was, you've got to be in the room. Yeah. Okay. And it's a bit like saying, get a seat at the table. You know, if, if there are industry-specific conferences or, or places where you're going to meet people, go to them and have those conversations. The power of having a conversation and also the power of the ask. One thing I would say that people don't do enough of is actually ask for help or ask questions and use your listening skills. So depending on what, what you're going to, if you are going to go to an event, whether it's offline or online, find out who else is going. And seeing how you can find out about those people in a non-stalker way, obviously. Just seeing how you can engage with people and, and ask the right questions. I would just say my very first business, which was an events business that I bought over from the US, I had seen it online in the November, engaged with the people in the US because I, I wanted to bring their brand. I didn't want to create, they, they had a great brand in America. I'm not going to try and reinvent the wheel because it works already. And I had initial conversations with them in the January. We didn't launch the events until the September because I wanted to make sure that I had all my ducks lined up. I wanted to make sure we had all the right partnerships. I knew who the customers were and we had everything set up. And actually that stood us in good stead because it just snowballed from there. And there's a lot of tools out there as well. So you'd mentioned Business Model Canvas. So you introduced me to Canvadizer. Which is fantastic. You also introduced me to Canva, 
they don't yeah. all have the same name these yeah 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 these, but they sound very similar canva yeah, yeah. as well but i remember this whole new world of being able to mock things up and print yeah. well, again the mock thing uh, i was just going to say that actually so whether you've got a service or a, a product mock it up try and show people what it would look like try and build them into you know the experience if you were a user this is what it's going to be like and what's the outcome of somebody using your service or your product and actually, what's the outcome of that outcome? I think that's something that, that, that a lot of people don't, don't think about. They don't think about, okay, do you know what? I'm going to buy that drill. And the outcome of me using that, that drill is that I can hang a picture up in, on, my, on my wall. But actually, what's the outcome of that? Well, actually, the, the picture, I can then add you know, certain things to it or I can do this or that's probably not a great explanation. But if you were talking about things that, that potentially have a massive life-changing impact on people, that's a completely different outcome. It's about being able to paint a picture and say, okay, this is what this would look like. You've also got great sites like Miro, M-I-R-O, where you can do mind maps, I would suggest doing something like that to be able to almost create what this could look like. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So one of my clients at the moment is looking at creating new services and I've mocked up what that would look like because they can't articulate to the people, the focus groups that they want and the customers, because they've already got customers. This is just a new service. They can't articulate that unless I'd done that. So we did various different sessions about what that could look like but then I've mocked it up. So they've almost got an MVP to say, this is what it could look like. So MVP, minimum viable product. That's right. Yeah. Check me out with my. You've got all the, all the acronyms. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, but it's like that whole Steve Jobs thing, isn't it? That whole people don't know what they want until you show it to them. Yeah. But you've got to, you've got to paint a picture. You've got to, you've got to walk in their shoes. And again, this is, goes back to, uh, knowing your customers if you don't know who your customers are you don't know where they go and shop for drills or where they buy pictures from so it's about also having a really deep understanding and saying do you know what these are the problems and the pain points so think about customer experience and user experience and again that doesn't have to be around tech it could be around service-based businesses or even if you had an idea for a shop or an event or whatever it's about looking at okay do you know what this is what it could look like for the customer yeah and different personalities as well you can absolutely yeah have the different personalities but I would say minimum of three and then you can sort of say okay do you know what for this particular customer, this is the problems that we're solving for her. And actually, these are her pain points, and this is how we're going to solve them. I'll give an example. We had somebody on our brunch and learn session this morning uh, called Abby from a company called Blue Prison who did a, a session about user experience and customer journeys. And she asked for some examples, and I talked to her about one of the apps that I use, a shopping app, uh, an Asda one scan and shop or something like that for me as a user she talked to me about how I use it and what my frustrations of using it were and actually the two times that I've used it I scanned all my items put them in my bag I've gone to the special tills scan the QR code it's basically then asked me to scan everything again okay big problem for Naomi because actually you've just wasted my time I could have just gone to the tills so it's looking at, okay, these are the pain points. These are the things that we can rectify. And then actually, I then said to Abby, okay, if I was Asda, what additional feature I'd be looking at is, is the apps recognized 
and I can't see this feature in, so it's totally, Asda, you can totally steal this idea if you're listening. But this added thing by artificial intelligence and my buying habits, that when I go onto the app again, it would recognize that actually the last four times I've bought eggs and I've bought coffee. So it would say, do you want to buy these things? Tick a box. And actually, I don't have to scan them. I can just put them back in because it automatically puts it in my basket. New feature alert, new feature alert as the... (laughs) Well, I'm loving your work. Constantly (laughs) innovating all the time. I love it. So you heard it here first. (laughs) But it's just about solving people's problems. And it doesn't matter what the business is, whether it's a shop or whether it's a drill company or it's a cup company or a tech thing, whatever. It's about what problems do you solve for your customers? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm inspired now, so I'm going to have all these ideas <laughs> coming thick and fast at me now. So thank you for that. What is coming up next for you now, Naomi Timberley? What's coming up next for me? So freelancer will continue. We're just looking at funding. We want to work with another 900 women because it's been so incredible and awe-inspiring for not only me, for in four group, for host and for the facilitators and mentors that have been part of this program. I am working with a number of really amazing clients at the moment. I'm also doing um, some work with the University of Salford Business School and working on a couple of programs that I'm developing for them. What else for me? Do you know what I'm like, Fiona? I'm always doing something. Well, I just look forward to when we can hang out again. In <laughs> I know, I can't wait. I literally can't wait. And actually, um, September, I'm planning on going down to London Tech Week. So you plan at least for a day and a night and let's go to some things at London Tech Week. Well, that sounds absolutely amazing it's a day (laughs) loving a bit of london tech week so let's do that and have i covered everything today do you think yeah yeah it's been great i've loved it i could quite happily talk on for another hour (laughs) (laughs) well that could maybe be an extended podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'll always love speaking with you thank you so much naomi timpley thank you for having me My name is Inesh Santos, I am the Associate Editor for Womanphology and here I am to tell you all about our new issue, which is all about women in tech. The stories include Marilyn Nika, AI Product Manager for Google, talks about what needs to be done to improve the statistics around gender balance in tech. She also tells us about Geekettes, a global community of women dedicated to helping aspiring and established women in tech, which she co-founded and which has now reached more than 50,000 women around the world. Hedda Pickoff, CEO of Apps for Good, an education charity that is growing a generation of digital social leaders, shares their mission. Hedda also tells us that it is time for the education sector to reflect due to the disruption caused by COVID-19. Russ Shaw, CBE, founder of Tech London Advocates and Global Tech Advocates, not-for-profit communities of individuals with aspirations to build and promote tech hubs globally, shares why it is important for men to be allies for women and other minorities in tech. 
He also tells us how crucial technology is to help the global economy recover from the pandemic. Gillian Arnold, founder of Tector, reflects on the importance of practical skills in tech. Gillian also tells us about the work she's doing as chair of the Women in IT Task Force for the Council of European Informatics Societies, as well as the book she's edited and contributed to for the British Computer Society. Audrey P., founder and executive director of community organization WeTech, talks about the statistics around gender balance in tech in the Philippines and how she taught herself to code online. She also shares her tips for succeeding in tech careers as she balances her role at WeTech with her studies at Stanford University in the U.S. Almost five years after she set up her organization, it has 20 chapters across 10 countries around the world. And finally, Bethany Probert, junior software engineer slash consultant at Capgemini Engineering, tells us how she took a degree apprenticeship when she discovered her passion for tech after graduating from a degree in physics with astrophysics. She also talks about being an IET Young Woman Engineer finalist and the doors this has opened for her. Do check out our website, womanphology.co.uk, to read the full stories. And that is all for me. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link to the show on social media and also subscribe. Your feedback is really important. So please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. That's all for now. But join us in the next episode, which is about women in space. For now, take care and stay safe.